Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Editor-at-Large of Recode. You may know me as someone who has never been wrong about anything, and if I was wrong, then it was sarcasm. But in my spare time, I'm just a reporter, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power, change, and the people you need to know. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair, I'm pleased to have Joe Walsh, the former Republican congressman from Illinois, who tried to primary Donald Trump for the presidential nomination earlier this year. He's the host of the podcast, Fuck Silence with Joe Walsh, and released a book in February. That's it, I wish I had that name now. And released a book in February with an even better name, Fuck Silence, calling Trump out for the cultish, moronic, authoritarian con man he is. I should have made popcorn for this interview, Joe. Welcome to Recode Decode. I am thrilled to have you there. What do you really think, Joe? I mean, I wish I had had all those <laughs> titles for my books. But one of the things that we talked about just before we started here was the fact that I would love to get back to disliking people like you, George Conway, for your policies and different things yeah. that I disagree with you in the past and stuff like that. But, you know, there's all these strange bedfellows now because of Trump. So I'd love to get a landscape of how you look at the situation right now. And, you know, obviously it's changed with the, the pandemic, but let's let's talk about the wider landscape that you see right now. Kara, great to be with you. Look, I think uh, Donald Trump is unfit. He's unfit to be president. And I think, I'm, my hope is, that people who are not addicted to politics are beginning to realize that now with this horrible pandemic. My, my hope is that his unfitness is becoming more evident to the body politic at large. So do you think that this has given people a chance, like the, this week it was disinfectant that he seemed to suggest that you inject into your veins or somewhere, I don't know where, he, I think actually it wasn't specific about where the injection was. Um, <laughs> but, and then he said he was kidding, but that was then his press secretary before had defended him for this and so had conservative media. You've been talking about unfit. George Conway's been talking yeah. about unfit. Talk about what you mean precisely. Two things, and, and, I, and I talk about this in the book and when I primary Donald Trump, it's all I focused on. And Conway and I are buddies, so I think he means the same thing. Trump's unfitness is basically two issues. He can't fucking tell the truth. Kara, every time he opens his mouth, he lies. And then the second thing is he can't put anything or anybody in front of himself. All he cares about is himself. So when you're the president and you can't literally put the country before your own self-interest, it's a problem. Look, you and I know he lies, but I, I, I think, again, a lot of Americans who don't pay attention to politics don't realize that, didn't realize that until the last few months. Because here you got a guy. Or, or they don't care, but here you got My mother guy, doesn't Kara. care. My mother doesn't care. She thinks this is her line. All politicians lie. But does your mother care a little bit more only because he's been lying about a pandemic? He's been lying about something that's killing Americans. Yes. I've heard from Republicans who've said, Joe, it's one thing for him to lie about the size of his attendance and how much money he's worth. But when he's lying about a disease that's killing the American people, I think that's pissing off even people like your mom a little bit. 
But just a little bit. So talk a little bit about your journey because you really were a big Trump supporter. I mean, I remember no. really just, no. no. Well, all right, no, it, all right, talk about it. No, People no, can but perceive it, of you. Talk no, about your it, journey. You were in Congress. Yeah, and I was, and this is probably when you hated me, I was one of mm-hmm. the most Never outspoken Tea Party people who right. went to Congress in right. 2010. And, and again, I know you and I could spend 10 hours talking about the Tea Party. The Tea Party to me was, we're bankrupting future generations. I was pissed at both parties for doing it. Now, the Tea Party became something different and ugly, and Trump took advantage of that. So by the time Trump came along, and most people on my side of the aisle realized the Republicans didn't give a damn about the debt. So then the Tea Party became uh, close up our borders. I don't want anybody in America who doesn't look like me. And that's what Trump then demagogued. Now, I did care. I voted for Trump in 16. I didn't love him. I didn't like him. He wasn't Hillary. I, I, I figured he was a goof, but maybe he'll appoint a couple good people. Maybe a couple good things might happen. So that was uh, the, blocked, the group of mm, that's a group of Republicans who sort of were like, I'd like my tax breaks, I'd like my judges, I'd like some of the stuff, so I, I'll put up with him, which I think a lot yes. of people were. A lot of people were. Yes. I think a lot of Republicans were like that. But his, Kara, uh, his base, his cult following was not that because it, the people who adore and worship Donald Trump were the same people who sent me to Congress and they're the same people who listened to me on the radio for six years. I mean, they fucking believe this guy walks on water. Trump blocked me on Twitter during the 16 campaign because I would criticize him. When he got elected, Kara, I tried to do the whole good Trump, bad Trump thing that lasted about two months where I'd praise him if I thought he did something good and I'd beat him over the head when he didn't. It became clear to me a few months in that that there's a bigger problem here. So what was the turning point for you? Because it was relatively early in that you and Conway and Justin Amash yeah. later, uh, yeah. you know, and, you know, Rick Wilson, they're, they're, they're just sort of McCain. I think the McCain yes. thing sort of set them off. What set you off in particular? Kara, I'm guilty of of one big thing. I didn't pay enough attention to Trump during the 16 campaign. I've talked to Conway about this. I, I didn't pay attention to him, which is weird because I was on the radio around the country. But again, I just figured he was kind of a goof. After he got elected, I began to pay attention to him. And it was the lying, Kara, uh, that before, started before, not when he had the pussy thing, not when he had the, why didn't you I, pay attention to that? Well, I did, and I criticized him for stuff like that. But again, I just figured, okay, this is part of who he is, but it, oh my God, if he becomes president, he'll clean that shit up a little bit. But then after he got elected and I focused on what he did and said every day, I'm not exaggerating. 99% of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is a lie. You and I may disagree on stuff politically. I can't support a president who lies to me like this. So that built up over time. And then the final straw for me was Helsinki in the summer of 18 when he stood in front of the world and said, I believe Putin and not my own people. To me, that was like an act of treason. Uh, And I said, I went on the radio that night and I said, ain't no way I can ever support this guy again. Because of this, because of this, not the numerous other things. I think that's one of the issues a lot of people on the left, I'm not even on the left, I'm sort of in the center, but have. It's like, I don't like this. It's like cherry picking what you do and don't like about this person. And I think to me, it's a whole, it's a whole enchilada here. And it's a big, ugly enchilada, you know, in parts. And I think that's what's perplexing for, to explain to me, you know, you're, you've been, what, 
sidelined by all the Republicans? They won't talk to you or do they talk to you off the record? Oh, God, yeah. What's the- oh, well, off okay, the record. So- oh, yeah, off the record. Look, when I when I ran against Trump, I lost. I, I was on I was under pressure every day. You do conservative talk radio the last three years. You got to you got to suck Trump's toes. I mean, you've got to kiss his feet. And I wouldn't do that. So I was going to lose my radio show no matter what. But Kara, I'm not exaggerating if I had a dollar for every one of my former congressional colleagues who've told me privately over the last two years that he is a fucking moron. They know he's a bad dude, but they're not going to say anything. I'd be a wealthy guy because most Republicans, you know this, you've been told this, most Republicans on Capitol Hill can't stand him. So talk a little bit about, what I'm talking about is though the coming out process for you, and I'm not using a gay term, but what is the, what is, not that there's anything wrong with that. Again, it was Helsinki. Why was it Helsinki and, and not the other stuff? Well, that, that was the final straw. So, the, okay. there, you know, <laughs> so plenty built up to that. Kara, I think we all do this. Um, we all um, are, are partisan to a degree and we're all tribal to a degree. And I think everything's been magnified with Trump. We elect people from our side. And even if we know they've got flaws and they say stuff we don't like and they do stuff we don't like, generally, if they're on our side, we'll still support them. I think you can find examples of this on both sides. Um, I agree with you, though, in that I am guilty uh, and I look <laughs> when I primaried Trump, I had to publicly apologize for seven years yeah, you for, kept for seven months, yeah. maybe mm-hmm. too much. But I did mm-hmm. help put him in the office because I think he is a uniquely bad person. And I wish I mean this, Kara, I wish I had given that enough credence before he got elected. But I was on the radio around the country. I'm a conservative talk radio guy. And I kind of bit my tongue a little bit. Yeah, he's a bad guy, but he's not Hillary. So I'll, I'll try to do the good, good cop, bad cop thing. And it didn't work. It didn't feel good to me. Right. So let's get into the Hillary thing. And then I want to get into your run. Why this continued obsession as someone who's essentially retired up in wherever she lives, Armonk or uh, whatever. Uh, it's this continual, like, obsession with this woman. Explain it to me. Because I, at some point, it's getting, it's gotten to be... Somewhat ridiculous. Someone who's powerless, who doesn't really have, just has her yeah. own voice and, and, and uses it, obviously, does a documentary or two. But in general, and is pretty good on Twitter, otherwise, there's no power here. And what is the continued obsession on the right with her? Because, 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 because <laughs> the Republican Party, Kara, is not a party. It is a cult. It's a fucking cult. And so when your cult leader does something wrong, you can't admit he did something wrong. So what people on my side do is they got to go after something else. They go after Obama, they go after Mexicans, or they go after Hillary. Benghazi, Benghazi, right? If your guy doesn't do, if he, if he screws up like this guy does plenty of times, because you can't admit your leader screwed up, then you go back to the old boogeymen of the past. And Hillary is on that, is in that team photo. And so I think that's what a lot of people on my side do. Does does that still work? Because why? Because again, they they want to in their heads, and I'm I'm speaking of, (laughs) uh, it makes me sad, but I'm speaking of all of my former supporters and followers. They want to believe the worst of these people. It was like a week ago, two weeks ago, you know, with this pandemic, uh, Obama was one of the first ones that Trump, you know, threw out there. It's always a great thing for the base to blame Obama because they don't like Obama. He's different. He's an other 
And uh, yeah, it does still work with them. Hillary still works with them because nothing gets them going more than like Bill and Hillary and the Clinton Foundation and all of that. Mm -hmm. So it does mm -hmm. sadly still work. Are they aware of their relative powerlessness or not? No, or doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But Kara, they don't believe, they disagree with you and me right now. A lot of these people don't believe they're powerless. They're part of some, they're connected to the deep state. You know, you got all these people Soros. that are part of this. Oh, Soros is funding all of them. And they're still, they're working again against their leader. It is a cult. George Soros and Hillary Clinton and the deep state and everybody else, they're working against their cult leader. So the top ones right now continue to be Hillary, Obama, Soros, now Gates with this pandemic. Well, now Gates and then Fauci. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, mm -hmm. Gates is funding Fauci and their friends. And then the final boogeyman is just, again, anybody different, the other. So the Chinese, Wuhan. Uh, I mean, you, that that's the flip of, you know, brown people down in Central America and Mexico. So ultimately, if it's not Hillary, it's not Obama, it's not the deep state, the FBI or Bill Gates, then it's those other people who don't look like me. Um, and, and when and you Trump push back, and, and in the next section, I want to get into your presidential prime, trying to primary. Yeah. But when you note that they don't have power, you note that this is kind of ridiculous. Yes. What reaction do you get? Um, I, I get anger and I get people who stop listening to me on the radio. Kara, uh, the most mm -hmm. uncomfortable period of my recent history was the last three years I was on the radio. Uh, because as I moved away from Trump and I criticized him and I went out after all this stupid conspiracy shit and I would go after Sean Hannity. I, I mean, I, I did that in the lion's den. And so it was the mega heads would call me and say, you're a traitor. How dare you turn against us? And they'd stop listening. They just stopped listening. They, they would stop because they felt listening. Like they would stop yeah, yeah, listening. Yeah, all right. Yeah, and don't, all right. Yeah, they didn't, didn't want to think about it. Didn't want to think about it. Well, we're going to find out why you ran primary against Donald Trump when we get back. We're here with Joe Walsh. He's the host of the podcast, Fuck Silence, with, with Joe Walsh. This makes me laugh every time I read it. We're going to take a quick break. Now we'll be right back after this. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hey, it's Tom Warren, senior editor at The Verge here. Microsoft is in an era-defining moment. It's betting on AI as the future of work, its Xbox business is going through transformational changes, and the Mac versus PC war is about to be back on. So I'm launching a newsletter called Notepad. It'll be your inside guide to all those changes and beyond. From details on the next Xbox to that one time every Microsoft employee named Michael appeared on a mysterious email list. Whatever is happening at Microsoft, you'll be able to read about it first in Notepad every Thursday. Go subscribe now at theverge.com forward slash notepad. We're here with Joe Walsh, the author of the book, Fuck Silence, Calling Trump Out for the Cultish Moronic and Authoritarian Con Man He Is. Um, I think that just about covers it, Joe. Um, talk <laughs> about your run for president. What was the, you obviously realized it was it was sort of a Don Quixote kind of thing. What yeah. what, do you, what were you thinking and why did you do it and why did you stop? 
I thought it was really important for a Republican to say publicly that the guy's unfit. Um, you know he's unfit, but you weren't. Somebody like Kara Swisher wasn't going to run in the Republican primary. Uh, the Democrats knew, a lot of independents knew, but the Republican Party, the party that I'd been a member of forever, was not on the record calling out his unfitness. I had written an article in the New York Times, like in July, pleading with a Republican, Mitt Romney, John Kasich, come on, somebody better than Joe Walsh, get out there and say he is. Because again, Kara, they all believe it. Romney believes it, Kasich believes it. Rubio believes that they all do. Nobody stepped up. And so I did. Um, I spoke to people like George Conway and Bill Kristol, all of the never Trumpers. And I wasn't a never Trumper to begin with. But I, I, I put my neck out there because I thought it was really important for a Republican on the record to say, this guy sucks. He's unfit. And this ain't my Republican Party. So talk about the campaign. You ended it when? You ended it how long ago? I, I ended it. I ended it the Friday before the New Hampshire primary, so the first week in February. And the way to sum up, I ran into two things, Kara. You're right, Don Quixote. I knew it was a long shot, um, but with this guy again, Donald Trump's president. So I mean, what the fuck? Anything can happen now. Again, I, I, I thought at least Republicans will be on the record. The campaign ended because during Iowa, in the week before the Iowa caucus. I mean, it just became clear that I ran into the cult. 99% of his supporters don't believe what you and I believe against uh, about Donald Trump. And I ran into the party. They canceled 20-some primaries all over the country. So they made it really impossible uh, for anybody to challenge him. I mean, Republican donors who wanted to give me money wouldn't because they were afraid of Trump. Republican voters who did want to vote for me wouldn't because they were afraid of their neighbors. And on and on it went. I ran into the cult. And so but when you're saying so many people are unhappy, you just said Marco Rubio, you said a lot of people who were pretty big supporters were not Mitt Romney, obviously, and not John Kasich, who have been relatively um, resistant, I guess. Resistant would yeah. be the most I would give. I, I think Romney more so than... Uh, anybody else. Talk yeah. about their roles. I, you, compare Rubio to Kasich to Romney. Um, it, really disappointing because, again, I will say, Kara, till I'm blue in the face because I've heard enough from them that Marco Rubio in private believes Donald Trump is a moron. He believes Donald Trump is a pathological liar. He believes Trump is bad for the Republican Party in the country. So why doesn't Marco Rubio say any of that publicly? Nikki Haley, Kara, believes the same thing. The reason they don't say any of it publicly, and they've told me privately, is because not because they fear Trump, they fear Trump's voters. Most of these Republicans, Kara, they believe and they felt this way for a year that Trump's going to lose in November. They want him to lose. I had plenty of them tell me privately, look, Joe, why am I going to say anything publicly now? Trump's going to be gone in a year and a half. He'll lose. And then we can go back to the way things were. I think a lot of them made that bet. They made that bet. And what do you think of that? And what about Romney? Romney's sort of a special case because has he well, has... Well, he has more than anybody yeah. in office, I guess. He, he's in his 70s and he's in a great state for him. And I don't know, you know, he may not want to serve again. The bet they made, and, and I would say this publicly, I think was a bad bet uh, that I'm going to keep my mouth shut on Trump now because I don't want to piss off Trump's voters. Trump's going to lose and then we'll be fine. 
I think that's all misguided because I don't think, I do think Trump will lose, but I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I think he's going to be in our faces and in the Republican Party's grill with Sean Hannity. They're going to start their own fucking network. They're going to do whatever. He's, they're going to make life miserable for the Republican Party. So these people like Rubio and the rest, Cruz, who think <laughs> Trump's just going to go away, I think they're wrong. Well, talk about this. Talk about this idea of what the Republican Party is now. It is a Trump party. That's, that's sort of a common feeling about from most people that it will be after November, win or lose. Yeah, it is a Trump party and it's become a cult because it's not really a party of ideas. It's about obeyance to this one man. Um, I think the Republican party's done, Kara. I think it's, I think it's done. I don't think, tr it, it, win or lose with whatever happens to Trump in November, I think the party is done. If Donald Trump wins, which is possible, then I think very quickly you will see a third party begin. If Donald Trump loses, I think you're going to see the same thing. It's just going to take uh, longer because there are plenty of conservatives like me who believe in decency and tolerance, and but we believe in basic conservative principles. The party under Trump is not tolerant. It's not nice. It's not open. It's not welcoming. But that's a big part of the party now. It's not going away. So what happens? So if he wins, it takes longer. They sort of fall into line because they want to be the one that dubbed the successor, correct? And that could go on for years. But I think that'll happen. Kerry, here's what I think. Even if Trump loses, again, he's got his gazillion followers. He will have Hannity and others. And I think you're going to have any Republican is going to have to kiss Trump's ring in 2022. And Nikki Haley and Cruz and all these people who want to be president in 2024, they're still going to have to pay homage to Trump and Trumpism. Mm -hmm. And that's why, again, I think it's really important to stand against what Trumpism is now. You'll get people like Romney and Kasich who will publicly if Trump loses. Um, but most of these Republicans, look at Nikki Haley. I, I mean, mm -hmm. they're doing it now and they're going to keep doing it. Nikki Haley. What, what is going on there? What, it's, it's perplexing on every level. Highly intelligent, clearly ambitious. Yeah. Like, very ambitious. Um, what What is the calculation that she has? Because she doesn't need to go quite this much overboard, but she seems to do it every time. She wants to be president and she believes because of who she is, she's a woman. And prior to her um, paying homage to Trump like she has, she had a lot of people like you and me and others who would say, well, that's kind of a reasonable Republican. She's banking on the fact that she can still keep that but she wants to be kind of like the point person for all of these Trump followers. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think you can be both. She believes she can be both. She's incredibly ambitious and calculating, Kara. She wants to be president. Who then of these politicians is the heir of Trump? You got a guy, Tom Cotton in Arkansas, who I know you know who he is. Uh, he is trying to position himself as the Trump heir apparent, i.e., you know, build a wall around the country. Don't let any legal immigrants in. That's Tom Cotton's stick. And so he's going to ride that. I think Nikki Haley wants to be the heir apparent. I think Mike Pence wants to be an heir apparent. I know Ted Cruz wants to be an heir apparent. 
I, I think those four right now are going to fight it out for the Trump wing of the party, which is why I think you'll have a somebody else fighting for another wing, which is why I think the well, party's going to split. Names. Give me some names. Who would that be? <laughs> That's a great question, Besides you. Well, again, you may have somebody like me, but I, I, I'm probably too uh, hot. Uh, Mitt Romney will be a face of that. Mitt Romney will be positioned. John Kasich will be positioned to kind of put his arms around this other wing. And then I think you'll see young people coming from the states because, Kara, right now, who else in Washington, in the House or the Senate, has stood up to Trump. None of them. They're all dirty. They're all maligned. Lindsey Graham. All right. What about, what about, yeah, well, let's not, yeah. we're going to get to Lindsey Graham. <laughs> we're getting to Lindsey Graham in a minute. But what about Mike DeWine from Ohio, who seems to be sort of uh, rather reasonable during this pandemic, but seems to be displaying leadership, doing what's right for his uh, constituents and the state of Ohio and the country. Again, I agree with you. It's going to, the face is going to come from outside of Washington. A Larry Hogan in Maryland, uh, Charlie Baker in uh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah, and and, and DeWine, um, who's a little older as well, though. I I think it's going to come from one of these governors. Deep, and there were... Look, a lot of people wanted a guy like Larry Hogan to primary Trump. Um, somebody from outside of Washington didn't. Probably made the smart move. But I think it's going to come from outside of Washington. From outside of Washington. So so if there's another party, what is that? How does the politics go down? Now, the Democrats obviously have their own fissure between the le- the progressives and the sort of moderates. How does that look for all parties? It's a, it's a great question, Kara, because you're right. The Democrats are going through their thing, but their thing is primarily about issues and ideas. The Republican thing right now is, again, about a, a man worshiping a man versus ideas. And I think it's important to understand what led to Trump on the Republican side. Uh, I, I did a lot of apologizing that some of the angry Tea Party rhetoric led to Trump, but that's not the only thing to, that led to Trump. An out-of-touch Republican Party establishment led to Trump. All of these consultants, I would tell Rick Wilson and, and Steve Schmidt and a lot of these guys, you all led to Trump because you had no clue how angry Republican voters were out there. The Republican Party, Kara, ignored their base voters for so long, which made it so possible for a demagogue like Trump to come along and scoop them up. So the Republican Party alternative to Trump is going to look interesting because I think it's generally going to be a center right thing, but it's going to be very open, very tolerant and very open and welcoming when it comes to social issues. That's the Rockefeller Republicans. That's what you're talking about. Essentially happy for business, happy for letting gay people be gay, that kind of thing. Yeah, leave all that shit alone, let people live. But I would say a Rockefeller Republican a little bit more attuned to conservative economic policy. Okay, meaning meaning more more what? Meaning and we can't we can't let go of this because if there's one thing that got Trump elected, Kara, it was I'm going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. That right there got him the Republican nomination. Now, when Trump said that in 16, I'm going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. All of the smart consultants like Steve Schmidt and Rick Wilson, they all laughed. The Republican Party establishment laughed. Jeb Bush laughed. 
except every Republican conservative out there in the land nodded their heads and said, amen, man, amen. Because it was a real concern about people coming into the country illegally. And the wall was stupid and Mexico paying for it was a lie. But that issue of protect the borders, that's an important issue to Republican voters. Now, we, we don't want to go down the road where we, we turn our backs on legal immigrants, but the Republican Party kind of laughed at that notion. I mean, you and I may disagree on nationalism, but the patriotism of, I, I like me, Kara, I, I want to open up my arms, this country, to everybody. Come here legally. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your sexuality is. I don't care what you look like. Come on, we welcome you, but do it legally. That's where most Republicans are. Donald Trump took that to a deep, dark, dirty, ugly place. What other issues would be appealing to Climate change. Climate change. Climate A Republican Why? Party that acknowledges that it's real and we got to do something about it. Government's got to play a role. The private sector's got to play a role. But we can't fucking ignore this issue because that means we're not sitting at the table. Um, mm -hmm. The debt, the debt, right? It, it, I mean, right mm -hmm. now, the Democrats. Which would be, your, which would be one of your issues. The, the debt. Absolutely. This is the overstudy. Yeah. And the Democrats own us on this issue because right now the Democrats, to their credit, are making a better case for free college free health care, free everything for everybody. The Democrats are making a, a great case for all of that. And nowhere is the Republican Party saying, I hear you, but can we talk about how we're going to pay for all of it? Um, the Republican Party needs to be the more responsible fiscal party again. And they're not. They're not under Trump, especially after not at this all. pandemic. Lastly, in this section, what about uh, Trump's children? Obviously, Ivanka, the Eric, and then the... Uh, Don Jr. What do, what do you imagine they're going to do here? Is there is there a, a, another Trump? Are we going to have like a Bush, like that kind of dynasty? There's huge pressure, Kara, from Trump and his people in the party for Don Jr. to be the nominee in 2024, more so than Ivanka. Uh, that just scares the shit out of, out of somebody like me. But that's real. And if Trump wins in 2020, look for Junior in 2024, battling with Nikki Haley and Ted Cruz. If Trump just loses by a little bit, he'll want nothing more than to hand it off to Junior or Ivanka, which is why people like Bill Kristol and Conway and me believe Trump's got to get fucking pummeled. Trumpism has to lose by a lot. Otherwise, you may be looking at Junior in 24. How do you assess them as candidates? I don't think they'll be nearly as effective as uh, Donald Trump because mm -hmm. Donald Trump, to his credit, is an amazing demagogue. Mm -hmm. uh, and and, and the, I, I just... Good. It's good at demagoguery. Uh, oh, my God. Because yeah, yeah, you've got to have no fucking shame. You have to be able to lie every time you open your mouth and you have to put your own self-interest ahead of everything. Donald Trump can do that without even blinking. Junior isn't bright enough to even try to do stuff like that to that degree and level. So I just, I think they are, yeah, I, I think they're shells of their old man. They're, so that they, one of the things about Donald Trump, he's compelling to look at for lots of reasons. And it's, it has to do with television. It has to do with his marketing skills and everything else. So you don't think the children, what about Ivanka? She seems to have some of that or perhaps yeah, but, not. 
she she does not like to uh, at least give the impression of enjoying and mixing it up with, uh, you know, the riffraff, the folks. Again, Trump, as an effective demagogue, can make people out in middle America think that he's one of them. Ivanka just doesn't. She doesn't like that. She can't do it. And she's not very good at it. All right. What about Jared? <laughs> what about no, he, Jared? Yeah, he's, a, he's a cold fish. See, again, he he looks like and sounds like you know, an elite twit uh, from Manhattan. Trump, to his credit, doesn't sound or look like that. And so his, like? yeah, he he can fool people either. Jared Kushner can't do that. So Don Jr. is the person you would bet would be the, all the, the, the only all the one potentially who could assume the mantle. And there are people in Trump's sphere who want it to happen would be Jr., would be junior. And and you think he, good chance, bad chance? It just depends on the size of the loss. If, it, if, it depends if Trump on, squeaks it, by. Yeah, it depends on what Trump does. If Trump wins, junior's in the catbird seat. If Trump loses by a little bit, then it's a battle between junior, Nikki Haley, Tom Cotton, and Ted Cruz. If Trump gets killed, then I don't even think junior's in the picture. All right. When we get back, we're going to talk about the pandemic and its impact on the election and also what the Democrats should do to win. Since yours, you, is this correct, Joe? You're going to spend all your time getting people to vote for Joe Biden. Amen. Okay. We're here with Joe Walsh, who is the host of the podcast Fuck Silence with Joe Walsh and author of the book Fuck Silence, calling Trump out for the cultish, moronic, and authoritarian con man he is. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back after this. We're here with Joe Walsh, the author of a book that came out in February called Fuck Silence, Calling Trump Out for the Cultish, Moronic, Authoritarian Con Man He Is. Um, how did that book do? All those those sort of right-wing books do very well, right? But this was not right-wing. This, this was, was by someone who was <laughs> uh, a conservative, but— yeah, no, look, I, I I don't know what my audience was. I, I should have been somebody like a young Charlie Kirk who could get Donald Trump to promote his book. So, yeah, this is a different— Yeah, he wasn't uh, promoting this book, I don't think. I don't no, think no, was. no, he was not. I, Wait, and, does, he and, have but, a, does he have a name for you? Does he have a name for you? Uh, he, he calls me—he called me a bad radio guy and that one-termer from Illinois, he called me. Oh, okay. That's not bad. That's not, not too bad. bad. So talk about the Democrats. What did, what did they do in this situation? You have Joe Biden in the basement. Uncle Joe's in the basement. Yeah. Um, you've got him promising to pick a, a woman vice president. There's lots of choices. In this case, there's tons and tons of choices from Amy Klobuchar to Elizabeth Warren to Kamala yeah. Harris to Stacey Abrams to Tammy Duckworth to Tammy Baldwin to uh, Gretchen Whitmer. There, there, there's tons and, and, and uh, Val Demings, uh, Barbara Lee. There's so yeah. many that he has a choice from. Talk about this, what the Democrats have to do. I, uh, I, I believe, and I've always believed, 2020 is about Trump, period. I think Joe Biden could sit in his basement for the next seven months, uh, and maybe he ought to sit in his basement for the next seven months. There's, And this is what I would say when I primaried Trump, and I, 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 I would tell every Democrat that it's not about health care, it's not about immigration, it's not about climate change. 2020 is about one question. Do you want four more years of this guy? Period. That's it. Mm -hmm. That alone, uh, I think, should get Biden elected. I mean, Carol, we we forget and your your you and I may not be in the same team politically, though we probably are a little bit more than we think. But um, look, since Trump got elected, Republicans have gotten their butts whooped in every single election. Mm -hmm. Every special yes, election, a uh, Democrat vote has been through the roof. The 2018 midterms, the Democrat turnout was through the roof. 
resistance mm-hmm. to Trump is enough to win, period. Um, I think he should pick a vice president who will excite people because Joe Biden can't serve more than one term. So he better mm-hmm. pick somebody who excites the Democratic base. All right, base. go through. Who, who do you think would be good? When she announced, I was disappointed in Kamala Harris because I think on paper she's a dynamite candidate. And she ran a campaign and I just, I, I wish I could have put my arms around her and said, who are you and what do you believe? Because she never articulated that. I think on paper, she's dynamite. I think he ought to pick a black woman because I think black women rose Joe Biden from the dead in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be a profound thing to say. I, I also think Elizabeth Warren would be a really strong yeah. pick. She and I think you and I might have talked about this when when I saw you in L.A. a couple months ago. She's the she was the best candidate on the Democrat side. Yeah, one hundred percent by far. Really good at by far. Really good at what she does. She'd excite the base. Um, I'd say uh, outside of those two, if you're not going to go Kamala Harris, and I think it would be good to go a black female, then I would go Elizabeth Warren. I don't think you need to go Amy Klobuchar because Joe Biden on his own will win the Midwest. He's Amy Klobuchar. Yeah. Joe, <laughs> Joe Biden is Amy Klobuchar. Yeah. Yeah, he is Amy. What about Gretchen Whitmer? She's getting beat up by the Republicans just because they seem to be frightened of her. That's my only focus on that. I wouldn't do a John McCain and I wouldn't do a Sarah Palin. I wouldn't pick anybody that people really don't know real don't well. Don't know. Because you, you just yep, don't I want agree. anything to be an issue. So it ought to be somebody that people know really well right now. And that's not the Michigan governor. So she'd become the story. The same thing with Stacey Abrams? <sighs> yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. There's a lot appealing about her, Kara. But, and I don't know your thought on this. I, I, I don't think she's know. great, but I agree with you. She's not well known. It's not well known. And I, I don't love somebody campaigning hard to be the VP. I just don't love. I, well, I don't. But, but but whatever said, said the politician said the Come politician. On. But you, I, <laughs> yeah. I, but but I think the fact that she's not well known would be juxtaposed against the fact that she is a really interesting, engaging candidate who would excite. She certainly is the left. There, there's a yeah, congresswoman yeah. from Florida, Kara, who's dynamite. Val Demings. Val uh, Demings. She, I was mentioning her. Val oh, Demings, amazing. Oh, my God. She's a former cop. I think she's a lawyer. She's tough. She's brilliant. If if he were to go with a surprise, somebody like that. Someone like that. And Barbara Lee would be too liberal, presumably, although really quite an impressive, another impressive legislator. And I, again, I in my lifetime, we've never been at a point like this where I think Joe Biden, Kara, is going to have to announce before November that he's a one-term president. I think he will. So this vice president will be the candidate in 2024. It's got to be somebody damn good. So I guess I keep going back to a Kamala Harris or an Elizabeth Warren. Warren. Well, the interesting about Warren is she could beat up on Trump off to the side while he gets to be just Joe. You know yeah. what I mean? He doesn't yeah. have to. He's not, he's not quite good at beating up on Trump. No. And I think if she did it, she, and she's fantastic, she could sort of be that. Remember when Bob Dole, it didn't quite work, but yeah. Bob Dole was the attack dog kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and she's so good at it. She's so, and, and so smooth and so articulate about those things. What about Bernie Sanders' role here? Does he have a role to play, given he, how popular he was with his constituency and getting those Bernie bros not to... To, to get out and vote for whoever the candidate is? 
he does have a role to play, an important role, I would argue, and a really important role to solidify his legacy. It's it's really paramount that Bernie does everything he does he can do to help get Biden elected. What's interesting, Kara, is we don't uh, like like how the hell did Trump win in 16? I think a lot of mm-hmm. Democrats stayed home because Hillary didn't excite people. And no, a, a lot right. of people didn't think a goof like Trump would win. We've had three right. and a half years now, this guy in the White House. So I'm I'm bullish on Trump losing. I think the resistance. Yeah. yeah, I think Wisconsin was a big thing. They went out in the middle of a pandemic to vote and voted him yes. down badly, which was interesting. Yes, which was interesting. and even with all of that, even with everything Trump had going for him and as bad a candidate as Hillary was, to your point, she barely lost. Uh, yeah, 70,000 yeah, yeah. votes in three states. And Hillary made a mistake. Hillary should have picked a VP who would excite people. Mm-hmm. But she thought yeah, she I had agree. it in the bag. Oh, I think she I think she lost big because she should have won big. That's why. I think, yes. so, I think she lost big, even if it was close. The fact that it was close was disturbing to me on every level. Um, so last, let's talk finally about the pandemic. Talk about the political implications of that. What, what do you imagine this has done besides pointing out that he's, you know, he goes every night and does these... Um, does these whatever yeah. they're circuses essentially? What it, most people are telling him not to do it. He keeps doing it, and he of course trusts himself because I right. know because I was right before. Right. Um, what what do you imagine it's doing? Because it's such a serious topic. You think people are like, oh, that's enough. It's funny when it's attacking the media, or it's funny when it's on something else. But this is even though the Russia thing was very serious, even right. though all kinds of things he said were very serious, women, issues around women, issues around everything. Yeah. But what is the difference here, that we're seeing him a lot or what? Um, I think it's done two things that are different. It's woken up everybody um, to how dishonest and incompetent he is. And secondly, it's scaring people. All of the other shit that Trump did and said didn't really hit home and scare the average voter out there in the gut. We're looking at a Great Depression kind of a thing. We're looking at everybody knows somebody who's dying, 56,000 people dead Mm -hmm. right now. People are afraid. And the last thing you want when you're scared to death is somebody chaotic and, and like off the wall in the White House. So I think it's going to make the average voter again say, I'm scared to death. I want to be able to breathe. I want to be able to, to know that we're doing something right. Um, and mm-hmm. Trump's a chaos kind of a guy and in the middle of a pandemic that doesn't play. How do you assess his his nightly ritual with, with this these scream fest where he yells at the media, which seems to not be working quite as well anymore. Um, I don't think people care. Um, I don't think the, well, every, the media gets nervous about it, but ultimately it seems like it's it's sort of going to the same place to try to hit the same thing. And it's it's I think people are bored by his show. It's Trump thinking that this is how he's going to win in 2018. Um, his base, his followers, his cult, they fucking love what he does every night at these daily briefings. They love, love, love. So he's talking to them. But uh, all the polling and all the data shows it's turning off most people. I mean, he's losing his support among the elderly in America. I mean, mm-hmm. seniors, yeah. these briefings are turning seniors off of him. Uh, but Donald mm-hmm. Trump mm-hmm. believes, Kara, 
And this is what he believes. And, and, and he won in 16. And he believes that he can win by just appealing to his cult and getting them so off the wall fired up that they'll run through anything to vote for him. That's what these briefings so what, are for him. What would you do if you were him in order to win? Do you think that's a sound strategy or what no, would you but, do? No, but I think it's probably too late. Like uh, if Trump had listened to me, uh, the day after he got elected, I would have said, uh, Trump, just stay out of everybody's living room, stay off the TV, stay out of Twitter for three and a half years, and you will ride into a second term. Because if the— Sort of Reagan-esque, Reagan-esque. Yeah. If the, if the election is about anything but Trump, Trump has a shot to win. If the election is about Trump, Trump loses. But he can't be that way, Kara. So you're, I mean, I'm asking Donald Trump not to be Donald Trump. If Donald Trump wasn't Donald Trump, he'd be winning in a landslide, I think, in November. But he can't help himself. So he was on his way there, though, with the economy in good shape before this pandemic. Did you think that? or No, you- no, because he, he kept... He, stepped on it every 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 week he'd step on that message it's just the economy i mean when you think about it historically pre-pandemic on an economy like this when things are generally going really well his numbers were horrible he's the least popular this is pre-pandemic he was the least popular president in modern times with one of the greatest economies now, why is that? That's because of him. People don't like him, mm-hmm. but he can't help himself. So he has to make every day about him. Kara, you know this. People who work closely with him, they know what I'm talking about right now. If he mm-hmm. didn't make mm-hmm. every day about him, he'd be fine. All right. So if he were to, and what would you do if you were him? You were Donald Trump right now. What would you do? And you suddenly got a, got a, got a soul. I wouldn't do any daily briefings. I would not at all go out and talk. I would not tweet. I would not talk at these daily briefings. I'd put Fauci and Burks out there. I'd put the experts and the scientists out there. Uh, and I would, I would do whatever I can to rally smart people to figure out how economically we're going to turn around. But I'd do the same thing with them. I'd have a daily briefing every day with the scientists and the experts on the pandemic. And I'd have a daily briefing every day with the best and smartest people on how America recovers economically, and I wouldn't be part Mm -hmm. of either one of those briefings. And I'd put the experts out there to talk about how we are great and we can turn this thing around. Because then people are like, it's not his fault. This isn't his fault. It's a pandemic. At least he's trying his hardest. That would be what you'd want to get from people, right? Yeah, and it, it reminds people of... It would remind people of what we are and what we were before the pandemic, and it wouldn't get people thinking about him every single day. When people don't think about him, Kara, his numbers have always gone up these last three and a half years. It's amazing. All right. I want to, last question is if you are saying there's going to be these three, this other party, do you have yeah. a name for it yet, by the way? What is it? I don't. <laughs> I don't. And it's, again, yeah. it's too bad the Libertarian Party stole their name. They're just a bunch yeah. of. Yeah, that's probably. But it'll be a, some sort of freedom and decency party. All right. Last question, because I, I this is a, we, I do have a tech audience. What tech has sort of not played a bigger role here. They've sort of stayed quietly on the sidelines. Is there anything they can do, the tech community, in terms of, because they're not as liberal as you think. You know, I mean, I think they're much more uh, libertarian is one yeah. way to put it, I guess. They're libertarian light, um, if I had to think about it. Right. What, what, what could they do to be 
part of this. Obviously, fixing these social networks, fixing um, not allowing them to be used the way they've been used by Trump and the Russians and others. What do you imagine uh, they can do as a group? Number one, uh, privately and publicly as they want, I think they should, even people, leaders in the tech community politically, I think have to do whatever they can do to make sure Trump isn't reelected. Because, Kara, I go back to something you said about 40 minutes ago. I want to get back to a place where you and I are doing a podcast now and we're talking about issues and we're respectfully arguing about issues. Um, like, what should the government do, if anything, about Facebook? We're not going to get into any of that stuff as long as this guy's in the White House. There will be no issue discussion, no progress on any issues. So like me, who's generally pretty libertarian, we all got to just suck it up and do what we have to do to make sure Trump loses. Leaders in the tech community who want to see government progress on some of these issues have to have to lead with that, have to do what they can to make sure that Biden becomes the next president. I think that's I think that's first and foremost. And what kind of president do you imagine Biden will be? <laughs> that's my last question. I think I, I if think, he is president. If he is, Kara, I, I and he's said it. He will be a bridge. He will tell the American people, this is craziness. This isn't who we are. I'm going to let you all breathe for four years. We're just going to breathe. Mm -hmm. We're going to come together mm -hmm. and we're going to pause and we're going to try Kind of a Gerald Ford kind of flavor. Gerald Bing. Ford kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think he's just going to be a bridge to whoever his VP is. He'll be very bipartisan in his approach. I think he'll have Republicans in his cabinet. I think he'll try to bring Republicans and Democrats in a very overt way together because I think Biden is, and I've been told this, he's extremely concerned with how divided this country is. Whoever replaces Trump, job one is going to be to try to at least look like we're trying to do something about the divide. I think Biden wants, I've heard that Joe Biden wants that to be his legacy, that he began us down a road of trying to heal the divide. I think that's what he'll do. All right. Joe, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You're the best, Kara. Thank you. All right. Thank you for coming on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Erica Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Joe, where can people find you online? You're an excellent tweeter. Twitter at Walsh Freedom. And again, get the book. It's called Fuck Silence, Calling Trump Out. Amazon, go get it. Thank you, Kara. <laughs> no problem. Um, are you having a hard time selling it in Walmart? I'm just curious. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, that's what I thought. Yes, yes. it won't go on the shelf. There. It okay. won't go on the shelf. If you shelf. like this episode, we really appreciate it if you share it with a friend and make sure to check out our other podcasts, Pivot, Reset, Recode Media, and Land of the Giants. Just search for them in your podcasting app of choice or tap a link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Rabe. Special thanks to Squadcast.fm. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply.